It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Uh, I was driving and they just punched me, slapped me. I was bleeding straight away. Like I needed a new toilet brush. <laughs> and you open up your phone and there's an ad for a toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> Where you've got health and safety incidents happening on these sites, absolutely people are worried. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. If Alan O'Reilly at Carla Weather is right, and God knows we know him well enough now to know that he usually is, we'll be okay by the back end of this week. Jocelyn is with us this morning. We won't get the worst of her. The worst of her is headed up country. But looking out at that, she's a grotty, bad-tempered mama anyway. She comes on the back of Isha, who did wreck. And I may tell you now that uh, Jocelyn has an anti-Kathleen. Kathleen is out there somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, Ocean, and like any other anti-Kathleen, she's a cranky old devil. But I think... If uh, Alan uh, Carlo is right, and like I said, he usually is, he says that the storms will start to move north of us uh, towards the end of the week and give us a bit of a break. And the forecast actually from Medairn this morning is telling us that towards the back end of the week, it will get colder and drier again. Not back into the frost and the heavy duty frozen mornings, but certainly colder and drier. Because from what I was hearing, you think... Isha was bad Jocelyn is bad Auntie Kathleen is cranky as hell But at least she might miss us That's a good thing That's a good thing Because we could use a break now I mean we've had too many flipping storms already Good morning 0818 96 96 96 The number The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 Your email Opinion at 96fm.ie Speaking of storms See what I did there? Speaking of storms, there's one brewing on the north side of our city to do with St. Dominic's in Ennismore, where a protest began over the last 24 hours amid confusing news. No one seems to know for sure what is going on there. It is believed, in fact, it has been confirmed by the department responsible, that it is being considered as an accommodation centre for Ukrainians. That, that's on the table now, it is being considered. What the department also says is that the council 
knew about this. They were told about this. But members of Cork City Council, like Councillor John Maher, Councillor Joe Kavanagh, and Councillor Ken O'Flynn, have said, sorry, we knew nothing about this. And, and, and management at City Hall told us nothing and said there was nothing going on. Joe O'Shea from Corkbio is following the story. Joe, what is happening here? Who knew what and when is the question that then, that seems to be on everyone's lips this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's, PJ, I think what's happening here, for the, as best as I can make out is, right, this is a developing situation. And what was said last week was that there was no intention of incom- accommodating persons seeking international protection, right? As far as I can work out, what that means is, that means uh, asylum seekers, not Ukrainians, but people coming from other parts of the world. Because uh-huh. Ukrainians can apply for temporary international protection, right? So it's, it's, it's really, it's just a different category. And that there, may, there was talks going on about, um, you know, accommodating Ukrainians there, as there have been for many other sites across the country, because there is a bit of a crisis at the moment. There are people coming to Ireland that are not, that are sleeping in tents, as we know, uh, that are, that are seeking protection here, protection orders. So it seems to me that when the question was asked, are, are, you know, are there, is there any, are there any plans to put people seeking international protection in Ennis Crone St. Dominic's Retreat Centre? No, there are not. But we, what we weren't told was there are talks about putting Ukrainian uh, uh, refugees in there. So it seems to be that kind of thing. It's it's again, it kind of, but unfortunately, what what happens is it's again a lack of communication from the government uh, about what is happening in with with these kind of places that are being used to home both uh, house both uh, Ukrainians and people coming from other parts of the country. Mm. I have a, an email, and I'll, I'll talk more to. It. Deputy Thomas Gould about it in a while an an email sent to him by the department concerned confirming that there was an offer of accommodation made in respect to the property and confirming that Cork City Council has been consulted on the suitability but it doesn't say who it was was, was being offered the accommodation and it doesn't say when the council was informed but I'd still be concerned if I were a local rep like John Maher, Joe Kavanagh or Ken O'Flynn that if I'd been asking inside in City Hall, is the is St Dominic's been considered for accommodation? If I was told no, I'd be I'd be concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's this it's problem this problem that we're seeing again and again across the country, and it's not just Cork; it's happening. It's elsewhere. It, there's there's little clarity. There's lots of confusion, and it's not being communicated properly. And a local rep, when they ask a question like that, they should be told, well, look. It, we haven't been talking about putting, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, international protection people in there, but there have been some talks about putting, possibly putting Ukrainian uh, uh, refugees in there, because the reps have to turn around and talk honestly and clearly to to the people that they're representing, and people have a right to know as well. I mean, if you, you know, you do have a right to know what's going on in in your local your locality, and you do, and, and people should be informed. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that this is a very fast moving situation, and that the government is is trying. You know, the the, the, the Department of Integration and the the body, uh, the uh, Ukraine Crisis Temporary Accommodation Team, which is OCTAS. They're scrambling around looking for places and they're asking people, can we use this? Can we use that? What's available? So that, that seems to be the problem that it's not being communicated properly. And, and again, we, you know, the, 
the, the media and local reps have to ask. And if we don't, uh, it seems if we don't ask the exact right question, <laughs> then we don't get a clear answer. There's a thing as well, Joe, isn't there, that in this kind of vacuum of clarity, that there's so much going yeah. around but nothing for sure, it gives an opportunity to, shall we say, very unpleasant individuals to ply yeah. their nastiness. Yeah, it is. And I mean, like, you know, I, I would, you know, please do not get your news from Facebook on stuff like this, because the amount of absolute garbage being put around on Facebook in, in Cork at the moment about what's going on, it's just ridiculous. But people are responding to it and are getting excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not going to help the situation, it's certainly not going to help anybody up in the area as well. I mean, you know, we have a housing crisis in this country that's been going on for over a decade. I remember reporting on the housing crisis before the crash when I was working in Dublin uh, for newspapers. If people are blaming Ukrainian refugees for the housing crisis that's been going on since the, the mid-noughties in Ireland, you know, if you're blaming Ukrainian refugees, then you may, may want to rethink your logic on that one. Although they might you say know. to you, Joe, they might say, well, it doesn't yeah. help the housing situation. No, it doesn't. But you know what? Do you know what else doesn't help the housing situation? There's 700 vacant uh, uh, and derelict uh, homes within a two-kilometre radius of, this, of Patrick Street in Cork City. That's true. Where I live in Bar- where I live in Barrack Street, in that area, there's a giant empty convent that's been empty since 2009, like a stone's throw from my house. Yeah, another one. There are, yeah, there are the reparation, the old reparation convent. There are there's empty housing units all over. We're not building housing anywhere near the rate that we need to be. If you're if you're if you want to protest about the housing crisis, and believe me, it's a you know it's a massive massive problem, and people are struggling, and they can't find anywhere to rent, and they can't find anywhere to buy. Hardworking people who deserve, if you work hard, you'd, uh, the least you deserve is a roof over your head. It's not the people to blame, the people to ask questions of, and the people to protest against are not arriving in coaches, women and children arriving in coaches from a brutal war in Ukraine. They're not the people causing the problem. That's true. Joe, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Joe Shea of Cork BO, and indeed occasionally sits behind this desk of a morning. Thanks, Joe. He's making a clear point. There is an amount of garbage on Twitter, or Twix, on on Facebook, on Telegram, on God, and Rumble. Whatever platform you pick, it's it's getting worse no matter where you go. And there was some horrible stuff going around on video about St. Dominic's in the last few days. Just on some unconscionably nasty stuff. Bad communication from government departments does not help. Now, uh, Deputy Thomas Gould of Sinn Féin. Tom... I have the email that you got from the community engagement team at the department where it confirmed that an offer of accommodation had been made and it confirmed that the city council had been consulted. But when was that consultation? Because local councillors are saying they were told nothing to see here. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, PJ, just just confusion and anger at the moment and what happened was I was being contacted by people from Hayfield and Montanati last week looking to find out what was actually happening. And then last week there was an announcement by Cox City Council that the site, uh, the Ennismore uh, Retreat Centre, wasn't being used. So I contacted the minister's office and they came back to me then the department to confirm that they were at advanced stages of using that site 
for Ukrainian refugees. So, like, we've got custody council making one comment on the information they're getting, and then we have the department making another. And really, PJ, like, I've been speaking to people all weekend and last night from the area, and what they're saying to me is they don't know who they can trust. Now, what I said to them is I have an email in writing from the department that this is going to be used to hold Ukrainian refugees, and, like... I can't, I can't get much clearer than that. I don't know why Cox City Council or what happened that they've gave out the wrong information. That'll have to be looked into. And I, I understand that councillors were on to the, the City Council yesterday trying to find out where it went wrong. But there's just an awful lot of confusion and anger. And PJ, when you get confusion and people not trusting what they're being told, that's when you have problems then. Well, the only what comes from your email that you sent on to us here is that it's currently being considered nothing is nailed down so that's that's important that the suitability is being considered Joe was making the point that there really are two groups here there's Ukrainians and there's what we group as other refugees and it, it seems to be that you get the answer based on the question or the nature of the question that you actually ask well, we were specific about the way we asked the question. And if you look in the email they sent to you, PJ, it says the DOTP, which actually means the beneficiary of temporary protection, which is Ukraine. That's Ukrainians. the term for Ukrainians. So that's, ex- so like, you have different descriptions and different groups are called different things. But what that is, is that describes Ukrainians who are coming in here on emergency temporary protection. So it's not confirmed yet that it will be used. When will we know? Well, that's why I've asked for the minister to come to Cork to meet with the city council, with councillors, and with the local community. No, that's not going to happen, though. Well, well, PJ, we see what's happening around the country now, and we see that communities want to know. Like, it's not a lot to ask to find out what's happening in the area. Like, all you people on the phone to me last night, really decent, respectable people from me, Athena Montanari, who were, who, some people who were at the protest to see what was happening and others who didn't go because they, they, they don't believe in, in going to protest, right? And they were ringing me looking for information and I was giving them the information. So, like, people just want to know what's happening and... I believe that if the minister or someone from the government need to come down and tell people what's going in there. If they're going in there, how many people are going in there? And just to confirm 100% that these Ukrainian refugees, because like the rumour mill, PJ, at the moment is just off the charts. It isn't rumours that bother me, Tommy. They're everywhere. What bothers me is that there are thugs torching places up and down the country now. And that's the last thing we want happening here. Well, Peter, we 100% don't want that to happen here. And the people I was speaking to from the local community, the locals, that's not what they want. And that's not what they're, they're 100% opposed to that. So like, let, let the message go out to people who want to in Mayfield. All they're looking for is to be told what's happening in their own area. Okay. The government are after making a bag of this PJ. Like you have you have Cox City Coast to say one thing, the department saying another. And as you said, if you don't ask the right questions, you don't get the right answers. Like Georgia said there a second ago, like 
there's people frustrated because their children are living in box rooms, people can't afford to yeah. buy a house yeah. or rent yeah. a house. Like, and, but this crisis, like PJ, you covered me back in the day in Cork City Council when I was a councillor. We were talking about this in 2008, 2009. That's right, that's right. The Ukrainians didn't cause this. The Ukrainians did not cause uh, this problem or, or anything like it, Tom. I get that, but they're, they, they are being pilloried for it now uh, by a certain group of people. I know you have a train to catch, and I appreciate it, and thank you for sending us on the the email that you got from the department. This is from the Department of Children, Equality, and Disability, Integration and Youth, and as I always say, whatever you're having yourself, because that's an awful mouthful to be dealing with, you'd feel sorry for Roderick O'Gorman in that regard. But this email refers to an offer of accommodation made in respect of Ennismore Dominican Retreat. It confirms that that offer of accommodation was made. It confirms that discussions are at an advanced stage and that the property is being assessed. It also says the council was consulted on the suitability of the accommodation. And the tenor of the, or the tone of the email is, if all the boxes are ticked, then Ukrainian refugees will be housed at the former Dominican retreat in Ennismore. That That would be what appears to be uh, the, the, the the gist of it, so to speak. Bill says it was on the programme there not to trust the stories on Facebook, but what about the what about the information from the government? It's misleading at best, and we have situations where people can get bussed out of a centre and replaced with larger numbers literally overnight, so people do not know what is going on. And Bill, you're completely and totally correct. And in the absence of clarity, nonsense tends to come to the surface. Bernie says the Dominicans left us down by selling it. If there's one thing we need in this day and age, it's a place for reflection and retreat. It could have been made non-denominational. I don't blame the Ukrainians for this, by the way, but it needs to be used for the community. 0818969696. Joe's point is do not get your so-called facts off of Facebook because there's some terrible nonsense there. And I stand over that, 100%. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Middleton GAA Wagpies present Showtime, a night of song and laughter on Saturday the 27th of January in Middleton GAA Club. Hosted by Richie Hayes and featuring Billy Jean's RDC, Dots Tobin, Studio D and many more. Fundraised in aid of St. Vincent de Paul for families affected by the flooding. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email Cork. Diary at 96fm.ie Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Coach 96FM Frank, good morning Hello Frank Oh, there's a click on that line. See, so can you get it back there, lads, if you can? There's just something clicking on Frank's line. It's back with you there on two. What about St. Kevin's, says Ashling, lying idle since it was set alight? Turn that into apartments like St. Anne's. There's no thinking in the government logic. Kevin then says, at least the Muppets, and I know to whom you refer, Kev, the Muppets are leaving the librarians alone. Here in Fomoy, there's lovely new build houses. The story going around is they're up for the Ukrainians. Up on the same road, there's a new housing estate that's not even finished. It's a disgrace. I don't think the Ukrainians are to blame for or for pissing people off. What I think the biggest problem is, and what pissed people off the most, 
is the fact it's taken a war in a country that isn't even our own to get the government to scramble together to get derelict buildings fixed up to house them rather than scrambling together years ago to house our own uh, homeless people. That's just my view. Let's try line two again. Hi, Frank. Hello there. How are you keeping? Very good. Your point, sir. Uh, your point is this. It's all, it's all about money, uh, PJ boy. And you know that yourself. You're an intelligent man. All these places up around the country that have been burned down every day. The people who want them in there. It's all about money, boy. Well, there's great money in, in housing the Ukrainians. What about our own people that are living in Coxley, living in alcoves and everything else, in sleeping bags? Our own people. And what about them? They're not even being looked after or considered or anything else. It's very, very bad. Do you think that places like Ennismore, and we'll just use that because it's in the news this morning, do you think that places like Ennismore, that the government would be doing a better day's work if they looked at putting some of the people, like you rightly say, are sleeping in doorways, put some of them into Ennismore? Put, put, put them into Ennismore. They're all, they're all own people. They work hard all their lives and wait for families and everything else. Jesus, what's wrong with the country at all, like? Is it all, is it all going crap? I won't say anymore. Do you want to say too much now? Do, do you not believe we need to look after the Ukrainians who are running away from the war? I mean, uh, PJ, you know yourself what's happening in the country. We're a soft spot, all right. We're really a soft spot, and they're, and they're getting everything. I'm not talking about, I feel sorry for these people in their different countries that are being hammered and everything else. But the only thing about it, uh, PJ, is that we're being a soft touch by, and there's people out to walk in all their life, and out to rearing families and everything else. Be Jesus, they're getting nothing. Just terrible altogether. Frank, I hear the passion in your voice and the conviction, and that tells me an awful lot more. Thank you, sir. 0818969696. Frank brings me back to something I said here one morning, and I was accused of being anti-migrant for it, and I was accused of being racist for it, and that's at her absolute tosh. I was walking through town one morning. It was maybe the spring that the Ukrainian situation had broken so that broke in February and it would have been maybe early to mid-May that I was walking through town one beautiful morning and there was a I was listening to the radio news as I was coming up to work and there was a crisis meeting had been held in the middle of the night by a number of or between a number of cabinet ministers because there was about 30 Ukrainian refugees had arrived at a centre and there was nowhere for them to go. And there was a crisis meeting held because these 30 Ukrainian refugees had nowhere to go. And as I was listening to this story on the radio, I was walking up there past the old Debenhams building, which thankfully is now being turned into something. But sleeping in the doorway of that Debenhams building was a homeless man. A homeless man that I'd seen many mornings when I'm walking up Patrick Street. A homeless man that I've even bought a cup of coffee for. Because we've come to know one another's face and he gave me a little wave. And I thought, where's his meeting? Who's meeting to discuss his problem? I was accused of being a racist for that. If that makes me a racist, then... Blasted lads, we've lost the plot completely. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday I was talking to Ethna and talking to her brother Kieran and to Gerard D from the ambulance service about Ethna getting a cardiac arrest at a wedding in August of 2023. She, she thought she came off the dance floor and she had a pain in her teeth 
And about 20 minutes later, she was collapsed on the bathroom floor of her hotel room and she was having a cardiac arrest. And it was her own brother, Kieran, who's a paramedic, who stabilised her, got her fit for the ambulance, saved her life, effectively. And she's fine now and she's promoting the fact that we should all know CPR, we should all know how to deal with someone who's having a heart attack. But it was just a, a fabulous conversation with them all yesterday. It prompted Brett to contact us and let me get, are you listening to us in South Africa, Brett? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, and you're correct. Uh, I'm actually hooked on Corpse 96 FM and it's due to the fact um, of my son um, moving across to Ireland about five or six years ago. So, yeah, and a great radio station. Um, Thank you very I'm much, really, sir. really enjoying it. What, what part of South Africa are you living in? I'm in the Gauteng province, and I live in uh, the city of Benoni. Okay, okay. And your son was in Kinsale a couple of years ago. Correct. Correct. He's actually still living there. He lives in a little village of Nahoval. And um, just listening to um, the story yesterday about the paramedics just immediately brought back the memories. My son was involved in a accident on his way home from work um, about 18 months ago and towards the end of July um, 2022. And um, I, know, I remember the roads. He said the roads were wet and the car went over and it actually rolled. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, I think he was about two or three kilometers away from home. Uh, I think, I, I, forgive me, I don't know if I mentioned that he lives in the little village called Nahoval. Nahoval, yeah, um, yeah, we know and, it well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, he, managed, he managed to unbuckle himself and uh, he sat on the hooter, you know, being a little country road, not much happening that time of the morning. And uh, he, he, uh, no, nobody came out, and he managed to get up to a house, and I'm going to mention their names as well, Mr. and Mrs. O'Leary. He managed to get up to their property, and I think being dazed and in shock, he hadn't realized the extent of his injury, and um, got to their place, managed to... Uh, well, he, he, there was a blanket in the back of the car. He managed to just wrap his arm in that because of the profuse amount of blood that he was losing, and uh, got up to their property. Along, I don't want to go into too much detail. I know, obviously, you, 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 your time is precious on on. on it's the okay. Air. Take your time. And, but they, um, they took him in anyway. They, yeah. they they opened the door to him. Yeah, the O'Leary's. Yeah. Correct. Uh, he remembers seeing Mrs. O'Leary up up on the first floor of the house, and uh, um, she came down and immediately realised that there was a situation. Managed to make then managed to make a call to his wife, Kayla. And it was quite ironic. Um, as Kayla took the call, she was upstairs in, in their apartment in Nahoval. And um, I've already, I, I've spoken to the paramedic that had just come off duty. He lives across the road from uh, Brett and Taylor in Nahoval. And she was upstairs taking the call. And um, uh, Brett had explained that he had been in an accident, didn't know how serious the injury was. And while she was taking the call, she looked out the window, and guess who stopped at home? Um, Scott, um, the paramedic, Scott Howe, I will be forever indebted to 
that's man for the rest of my life as far as my, con- my uh, as far as my son's injury is concerned. Um, and uh, she immediately summoned him, and off they went. It was. So, so she looked out the window and there's a there's a neighbor who she knows is a paramedic on his way in home, so she, she alerts him, yeah? And he went back out to your son, did he? Yeah. Yes, he did. And um all the medical attention that he received from uh Scott um definitely saved the use of his limb. Um uh, uh if it wasn't for him, I, I think um by all accounts he could have lost uh um, his arm could have been uh, severed. Wow. Well, well, not severed. I mean, it, 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 he could have lost the use of his arm from wow. basically his wrist wow. into the rest of the hand. Yeah, so I'll be forever indebted. I think people take paramedics for granted at times, um, not realizing, you know, the, the expertise that they can render to us. And uh, now being in this part of the world, I hadn't even known what happened. I only found out I get a call from my son, but I think he did the right thing. Um, he was sitting in hospital that evening when we got a video call from him, and all his arm all strapped up, and obviously they didn't want to contact us and let us know that he had been in an accident, because you know what it's like as parents yeah. sitting on the other side of the world. You feel so helpless, right? Eh? Um, but, yeah, that story um, yesterday, it just um, yeah, it, it hit a soft spot, and... Uh, I'll be forever, forever indebted to uh, 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 Scott and paramedics. We, as I said, yeah. we just don't know what they mean to society. They're, they're wonderful people, and we don't give you. You're right. We don't hold them up often enough to the praise that they for the praise that they deserve. Brett, have you ever actually been to Ireland? Yes, I I did. Um, I managed to get into Ireland. Just after COVID, um, as, as COVID was sort of shutting down, they opened up the airwaves again, and uh, we managed to get over, and um, on a South African passport, you, I think you can stay for a maximum period of three months, yeah. and I know a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but uh, um, whilst we were over there, um, the Omicron um, disease surfaced, Yes, and just yes. as we all thought everything was coming right, and and ironically, it had to have come, it had to have originated in South Africa. I, I remember and, that uh, story, course, Brett. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. and being yeah, and being in South Africa, and I mean, being in Ireland and being in South Africa, um, you you know, I didn't know whether I could stick my head out the door again and head off into different parts of Ireland. And you, we felt so guilty that it had surfaced there, but at the same time, I was so glad because your government extended the period of stay because of Omicron. So we managed to spend yeah. four months there. And uh, I, I could move there tomorrow, PJ. Uh, could I, you? I well, as it, as it turned out, Omicron, yeah. Omicron was the variant that, that really sort of brought about the beginning of the end of the pandemic because it wasn't that serious an illness and it gave us all fantastic immunity when we got it. But Brett, yeah, you say you, say you could move here tomorrow if you had the chance. Absolutely. You, 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 you have... People have no idea what that country is. God created a beautiful planet, but the Emerald Isle, I think, was just a special part of God's puzzle. And, uh, yeah, it just brought back so memories as a youngster living in South Africa back in the day, the the freedom of movement. um, And uh, uh, I I, I could spend an hour on on your show talking about um, different things versus 
how our country has changed and where it used to be, sadly. But uh, uh, that's a story for another day, uh, PJ. Yeah. But yeah, it's stunning. Well, I've stunning spoken to many. I've spoken to many of your your countrymen about the situation, and it's and it's quite sad the, the level of violence and 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 that goes on there, and the level of the, of the difficult. I know that one one of the things that was preventing you possibly taking this call was if you got what do they call them load shedding. Correct. <laughs> I'm actually we've been quite blessed today. I had a look at the the schedule prior to the call coming in, and I see we only uh, we only going off this evening again. Yeah, load shedding is basically um, they they uh, they have divided up um, the country into different uh, schedules of uh, power cuts. They turn off the and, power. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's something that's that's a huge huge detriment to yeah. our. Our economy at the moment. And in, a, in a modern country, that's very life. hard to understand why that has to happen, Brett. But come back to you. And then, how, what what brought your son here in the first place, Brett? Um, I think to further his um, career and the job opportunities that were available in Ireland. Okay. What does he do? Um, because he he's, he was uh, he was in the banking industry here, and unfortunately. The, Oh, you know, I don't want to get into the political side of things. No, but, um, you, 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 uh, you're limited. You know, your career can yeah. only grow so far, and then, then the doors basically close. He came, and, he came um, here for opportunity, which is why so many of our people are currently absolutely. going around the world for theirs, but he came here for his. Brett, it is a joy to speak with you uh, from South Africa. Uh, Thank you so much for your call and uh, for your kind words about our paramedics who, to be fair, as I say this, they, they, they don't get the praise that they deserve. Thank you very much and stay safe yeah, there because I know it's... Awesome. A, and, and, yeah. yeah, thank you so much and, and all the very best. I'd, I, I'd be an ambassador to your country without the necessary credentials for the rest of my life. It's, well, it's a stunning part of the world. You describe it, I, you used words there that will resonate with me because I've written them down. A special piece of God's puzzle. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, um, when you're building that puzzle, if we could put it into a puzzle, um, I could gladly lose all the other pieces of the puzzle, but not the Emerald Isles piece of the puzzle, PJ. Brett, a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. That's Brett Dreyer contacted the the show yesterday from South Africa to talk about his son who had an accident, and an off-duty paramedic who was a neighbour of theirs in Nohoval came to his assistance, and Brett passionately believes that if it wasn't for that happening on that particular morning, his son might have lost the use of his arm. Wonderful story, and thank you, Brett. Grand minute. Listen to play at 740 and 840 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. The two grand minute. With Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at corkdentalcare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96 FM. Pat is in West Cork with you in just a minute. Pat. Pat completely agrees with Frank and you might have heard Frank speaking very passionately there about 10 or so minutes ago about the story of the Dominican retreat or the former Dominican retreat in Ennismore which we now know because it was confirmed to Deputy Thomas Gould 
by the department, it's it now being considered as a place where Ukrainian refugees might be housed. It doesn't say how many of them. It doesn't say when. It just says that the centre was offered as a possible accommodation site. It is being considered, and if it's suitable, it'll go ahead, that the Cork City Council has already been consulted. A lot of people asking questions about the level of that consultation. And if it is deemed to be suitable, then Ukrainian refugees will move in. Um, that's where it stands this morning. Pat, you were listening to Frank, very passionate. I think you share his views. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, sir. Um, basically, like, there was an old saying, I'll start off by saying this, there was an old saying years ago, charity begins at home. Indeed. And, like, the way I'm looking at all this situation, and I'm listening about the refugees, and I sympathise with them. I'm not racist. I sympathise with them. I mean, they're in a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, I don't know what the answer to it is, but what I see happening here is, like, the government here, they just seem to be taking in refugees, take him in, um, because they're getting a pat on the back internationally. Oh, look at the boys in Ireland. They're brilliant. They're great. But the problem is, like, we haven't housing for our own people. There's people sleeping rough in Cork City, I'd imagine, in Dublin, uh, even uh, some of our local towns here. Um, I have seen people sleeping rough, you know? Mm -hmm. And... There's couples then, young couples starting off. They go into a bank. Oh, sorry, you're not earning enough. Um, we can't do anything for you. They can't afford to pay rent. And yet, there's a lot of Ukrainians in a town here in West Cork, not too far away from where I live. I won't mention the town. And um, it's closed down. Oh, it's full of refugees. The chefs were left go. The staff left go. The waitresses were left go. And a hotel, is it, yeah, in a certain town in West Cork. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's full of refugees. They're getting, I don't know what, 200-odd euros a week. And um, that's it. And yet our own people are there. Our own, some of our kids maybe down the line, they can't get loans. They can't get a mortgage. They have nowhere to go. And, like, we should be seeing after our own people first. And I think the other side of the kind thing is there's, I just picked Dubai internationally. Right. There is countries, there's more millionaires there, they have the infrastructure, they have the money. Could they not set up campuses for these refugees? Yeah. They have the money. I'm, we're on a tiny island and we're struggling, you know? So, how's this like, for, a, a, how's this for a, a, an analysis of it, Pat? We all yeah. see, it's there before our eyes, we all see the huge effort that has been put in to providing for the Ukrainians fleeing a war. We all see that huge effort. What we don't see is equal effort for, like you said, the young people who can't get a start here. That's exactly it. Like, I mean, there should be a massive effort being put into that, first and foremost. And then, if we can start out our own people, our own kids, whatever, very good, then. We'll deal with the Ukrainians and deal with the refugees then after that. I mean, to be, look, I'll put it like, very, I'll simplify it on. To be the same as if I asked one of my daughters here to, look, leave the house, go away and find somewhere to live, I'm taking in uh, a Ukrainian guy instead. And she has nowhere to go. It's, it's that, That's it, like. And I think the problem with the, with the government here and, the, and the, the, those people in power that we elect in, in Dublin, they are getting a pat on the back internationally. Ah, oh, you're great. 
But like a lot of the guys internationally, a lot of the other countries, they probably think oh, Ireland is flying it. But you see, they don't see our side of it. They don't see our kids or our relations struggling to get a hold. Do know? you think, so, Pat, do you hmm? think we're a bit of a soft touch? I believe we are. I believe we are because, as I say, uh, I, I won't mention the town, but there's, there's a hotel in a certain town and it was basically shut down. And they took in Ukrainians, paid them. Not only did they give them a roof over their head, over their head they paid them. Mm. Getting, I don't know, that that money is going to drop. Weeks. That's been changed yeah. lately. That money is going know, to drop. I know it has. Like, but, like, what, like number number one, anyway, like, that, there's so many jobs gone in that hotel. Okay, that's the first thing. What, was that hotel doing business? Was it doing a respectable level of business? Was it? Oh, was, it, was. It, yeah. it, it was, yeah, it was. No, I can't say, like, maybe the owners, maybe something else happened behind the scenes, but what I'm saying is, like, couldn't we house our own there if the hotel was gone? Do you know what I'm saying? Fair point. Fair point. Thank you, Pat. 0818 I'm taking great care with these comments. I, I'm not shutting people down because this is a feeling that is genuinely out there. How many children from Cork this morning will be going to school from hotels won't have a bed of their own? That's just one of the comments coming in. Mark says then, is treating Ukrainian refugees different to other refugees not a form of discrimination. It's a point. PJ is happening all over the place. There's 60 Ukrainian men gone into the old Gale Skull or going into the old Gale Skull in Balancholig. It's a housing estate. None of the residents were told about it. What's wrong with the government when it comes to communicating with locals? They've been working in the building the last few months. It's nearly finished now. Well, whoever sent in that message, I, I don't have a particular problem with taking over an old grail skull that isn't being used and making a combination out of it. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Where I have an issue is that wasn't being done until the Ukrainians came into the, came into the equation. That could have been done a couple of years ago, and I would suggest it should have been done a couple of years ago to ease the native housing crisis, for want of a better term. And which are there, bunk beds were brought into the centre in huge amounts four days ago. This is St. Dominic's, I assume. A lot of locals have seen it. This isn't for Ukrainian nationals. They've said all over the country that the unvetted centres were for Ukrainians, but they weren't. They moved unvetted men in, not Ukrainians. The minute I see the term unvetted men, I get worried about the comment being made. But we have it in writing from the department that what it's being considered to house Ukrainians. So that's what it's being considered for. There's, there's nothing else being considered for St. Dominic, according to an official email from the department. How come all the properties are being brought up by people in the know? That's just... And then Anne-Marie asks, why doesn't they just turn it into a nursing home? It's a beautiful old building. A huge amount of people looking for a place for their elderly relatives. It would have been ideal and very restful. It's another missed opportunity by the government and this in turn leads to hospital beds being taken up by people waiting for a space. Uh, they are throwing away gold, says Anne-Marie. We've been talking a lot of this hour and we podcast it for people who missed the start of it. Ennismore, the Dominican retreat in Ennismore. What is the official line? The official line is it is under consideration for the housing of Ukrainian refugees. No decision has been made just yet. It is under consideration. That's all we have in black and white. And anything else that
that anybody else tells you, standing on the green, opposite in his moor, speaking out of his, you know. That's the official line. 0818 96 96 96. The Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Courts 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4 pm where you could win a voucher for Oak Fire Pizza for voice notes like this. Hi, Izzy. I would love some Taylor Swift. I'm such a Swifty. We might be putting your knowledge to the test with a quiz or two. I haven't been this nervous since I was at school. And I'll be sure to play more of your favourite tunes. And I love your show. Your music is fantastic, Izzy. I love it. Join me weekdays from 4 pm. The Big Drive Home. You can get me with Izzy Showbizzy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. There are some wonderful stories that kind of slip under the radar about how the government spends our money, yours and mine. Queen Bee sent me this last night. She'd spotted it on her trawl through the newspapers. When was the last time you got a pay slip sent out to you in the post? We get pay slips here. Obviously with our wages once a month But you've got to go dig them out Of an online portal And that's where you'll get your payslip um, I can't remember the last time I was actually handed A paper payslip In this building It is at least At least uh, Half a dozen years ago If if not an awful lot longer That I was handed a half a dozen Or a, handed a, a paper payslip Let alone have a paper payslip sent out to me in the post. Here's a story that made the examiner yesterday. The Department of Education spent about €3 million last year posting out payslips, despite saying in 2021 that postage costs must be addressed as a matter of urgency. There's about 150,000 staff employed by the department in schools around the country and they obviously have to be paid their wages and, and yes, they have to get a payslip. But the payslips are still being posted out. Three million euro worth of them last year, 2023. Surely it is time to start doing this electronically or online or some better way. Three million euro the Department of Education spent last year posting out pay slips. And as the Queen Bee said to me when she sent this on, she said, PJ, she said, children with special needs can't get transport or can't get a place in a class. But there's three million been spent on pay slips. Tell you, it's it's how they spend our money, lads. Would would give you the Give it the ire sometimes, wouldn't it? On the possible housing of Ukrainians at St. Dominic's in Ennismore, it is still, these are the facts now, these are the facts as we have managed to gather, it is still being considered for the housing of Ukrainian refugees. If it is deemed to be acceptable, 
then that will happen. We don't know how many. We don't know when. Anything like that. But it is being considered, and that's been confirmed by the department to uh, Deputy Thomas Gould. It is being considered as a place to house Ukrainian refugees. Gary asks the question, which, to be fair, is a question many people are asking. Many people who would never question the need to help people fleeing a war. People would never doubt we have to do that. But Gary is making, is asking the question, why, why are the Ukrainians being prioritised over the Irish? 0818969696. Straight in on payslips. I got my payslip in the post yesterday. I do every fortnight. I insist on it. Okay, why would you insist on getting your payslip by post? I can access my payslip on my computer or my laptop or my phone if I want to get at it. Why would you want it in the post? But 3 million euro of taxpayer, and if you're working for a private company, then fair enough. But 3 million euro of taxpayers' money, your money, my money, and Emer's money, and Fergal's money, was spent last year posting out payslips to schools in 2024. Just doesn't make sense. 0818969696. Did you think now, since you got up this morning, I don't know what time it was, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, how many times since you got up this morning have you actually picked up your phone and looked at it? Not just to see had you had a message, but just to do something with it. Like One of the first things I did this morning with my phone was pick it up and have a look at the weather forecast. And then I picked it up and I had a quick look as I was making my breakfast, I had a quick look at the main stories in the newspapers. And then I checked my emails. And this is all before I'd left the house. So that's about four or five different visits to my phone. My daughter sent me a wonderful photograph from her latest adventure. She's in Chiang Mai in Thailand, by the way. And thanks to everyone who keeps checking in, me, particularly our friend Eugene Furlong, who, who checks in quite frequently would be to see how we're all doing. Thank you, Eugene. You're, you're most kind. She's in Chiang Mai in Thailand. She sent me a wonderful photograph this morning of a cat. The huge cat she met in the cafe. But what I'm getting at is, by the time I'd left my house this morning, sat into the car and driven into work, I'd probably consulted my phone half a dozen times. By the time I got into the building, having parked the car, I'd gone another flick through the papers. I have my first read of the papers, maybe sitting outside... Uh, having parked the car, I get the first quick scan through all the newspaper headlines. So I'm fairly brief when I come up the stairs here in the morning. So that's we'll say easily before I actually even sat down to open my computer here. The, I'd looked at my phone maybe ten times, and seven or eight of them were to do at work. How many times today did you look at your phone? How many times will you look at your phone by the end of the day? Like if you went in out this morning down to... Aldi or Super Value and picked up a loaf of bread and a half dozen eggs and a pint of milk you possibly paid with your phone that involved using your phone they say statistically that by the end of the day most adults who have a smartphone in Ireland will use it 50 times will actually reach for their phone at least 50 times and every week you get this screen time report which tells you just how much you spent staring at the phone so, how many things are you using your phone for every day? How dependent have you become on that little piece of glass and plastic that sits neatly into the arse of your jeans pocket? How dependent have you become? 
what were to happen if you were to lose it? Or if it were stolen? Like, what else do you lose with it? Lauren Behan has been writing about this in the Irish Independent. Lauren, this happened to you recently. Uh, A phone, I think, was stolen. And I don't think you realised just how much was in there until you didn't have it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, unfortunately for me, my phone was stolen at the very start of the year. Um, it was just after New Year's and it was just all, it's not the phone itself that was the problem. It was not especially valuable as a device. It was a few years old. It had a cracked screen. Um, but it was just everything that's on it nowadays. And it just made me really think about how many extra services and extra things are tied up in my phone that weren't before. Because um, what prompted me prompted me to write about it was that I lost a phone in a very similar way. Mine was, I think it was lost to a pickpocket this time. And I think that probably happened to me before around 2007 when it went missing. Mm. And that time it was just very easy to replace. I just got a new SIM card. I got on with it. There might have been a couple of weeks of messages on it. There might have been a couple of cool ringtones if that's what we were still doing in 2007. But yeah. There was none of the hassle that there is nowadays because, you know, you've got your banking apps now. It's your access codes to get into every other service you use, every social media, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's how you contact people. And it's really hard to get into them on another device to let Mm. people know that you've lost your phone. It's just so much now. It's not just your phone anymore. Yeah. How long did it take you to get back to some level of normal after your phone was stolen? Uh, I'd say I had three or four days of just admin, lots of trying to log into accounts. And, you know, you're trying to log in on another device so that you can end the session on the one that you've lost. But a lot of the time they're sending the codes to that device that you've lost. And so you get stuck in a sort of infinite loop of trying to log out. And with the bank, it was about three days and three phone calls. I was a bit unlucky that it happened in the evening and it was over Christmas as well. So the opening hours for some of the customer service lines weren't um, as as they would normally be. Um, So it took kind of a while to get back into the banking app once I had got a new SIM card. I had to get a new device, obviously. Um, And then things like getting the handset blocked. You can do that um, because you can lock your device remotely, which I had done. Um, But you can also get the handset itself blocked. But that's your phone company has to do that. But that was a different person to who reissued the SIM for me. So there was a few different calls to get all that sorted. So it was was a lot of admin work there. And then, of course, there's a lot of photographs and things that I hadn't fully backed up, which is my own fault. Um, But I hadn't really realized how many that I hadn't backed up. You know, you have some things that are important, so you will send them to yourself or you'll send them to other people. But there's other kind of day to day things, photos and reminders that you don't necessarily think to back up until you no longer have them. And then you're you're really on the back foot without them then. Concert tickets, for example, details of that next Mm -hmm. hotel booking. They're all they're all there. Yeah. And if you're traveling, it might be your boarding pass to get on the plane home, you know, because sometimes you can't if there's a short window um, where you can check in for a flight if you're already abroad you have to check in on your phone because you don't have a printer um, because it made me think as well I had a phone break on me years ago when I was travelling for the summer I think it was 2013 um, and I just bought myself a cheap 20 euro flip phone to last the rest of the summer it didn't have internet on it it was you know texts and calls mm. and that was about it um, but nowadays I don't know if you could do that because you wouldn't be able to check in um, it might be your bank if you're using like a, a, an app for a currency exchange and you're tapping with your phone you mightn't have all of the, the services if you don't have your phone if that happens to you when you're abroad and then I think you'll probably have more issue getting back into different services if you're abroad as well your bank and your social Mm. media and all those accounts that you need to log into because it will flag as a suspicious login there's so much and look it it serves a purpose so much two-factor authentication going on now I think of something like trying to book a holiday on booking.com on your pc it sends a message to your phone so that you can hold something with your card. If you don't have a phone, you can't do that either. 
Yeah, there's also things like your tax certs. It was the start of the year when I lost my phone. I couldn't get in to check my tax certs for the year. You might even have your work email set up for it. I didn't, thankfully. But, you know, there are things where you'd get your emails. You'd have to log in with a code from your phone um, and all of those things that I was trying to get back into. And then you're forgetting your passwords because you haven't had to log into that service for however long because it's just been there on your phone. And um, so there is so much of that um, and it can get really stuck in loops. Now, you can get your SIM replaced um, if you go to your phone company and that was quite easy to do. Mm. So thankfully, within a day or too, I was able to start getting code sent to me again. But it is, it's like if when you're on your own, if it happens out of hours or if you're away, I'm not sure what you would do. It would cause you to think, Lauren, wouldn't it, just how dependent we have become on these plastic <laughs> things. Yeah, and I didn't think I was that reliant on mine. That's the kind of embarrassing thing. I mean, I definitely spend too long scrolling on it, but I sort of, you know, I'd always bring my bank card. I wouldn't just use my phone to tap all the time. I'd have, you know, some backups, but there are just so many things on there now that you kind of need to take stock sometimes and think, right, if I lost this today, what wouldn't I have? What wouldn't I have temporarily and what would I lose completely? And I think that's probably a good exercise to do. I mean, they're not all bad. It's not saying that we should never use our phones. They're really convenient. They're a great tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just, it, when you lose it now, the hassle compared to before, it, it's just immense. Well, there's a thing. No one's saying this is anything bad about phones. It's just, it was for you a wake-up call, literally, even though you couldn't take the call because you lost your phone. You got a wake-up call as to how dependent we have become. Now, is there another way to organize ourselves that we're not that dependent, do you think? I think, yeah, I mean, check that you have backups of everything. Um, I didn't have everything backed up. I had some folders, I had some documents, but there's a lot of kind of daily photos and silly photographs of my family that I lost because they were on the SD card, which was in the phone. Um, I think you should probably always have a backup payment method with you as well. Um, And another thing that I had really thought about was because of all the scam messages nowadays where you know there's that really common one where yes. it's like hi mom I've lost my phone can you help it was really hard to contact people from another number or even like from my own social accounts but to say hi I've lost my phone can you help me or contact me this way because people would have thought it was I was a scammer so maybe that's something to talk to your family yeah. about as well and have like a code word or something to prove that it is in fact you if something like that happens. That's a good one actually that you could be with someone and say listen Lauren borrow my phone there ring your mom or ring your dad or ring whoever or text them and hi it's Lauren um, they're being warned every day that's a scam so they're not going to take your call that's actually a good that's actually a good point yeah I was typing it and I was like this sounds like a scam and it is my exact situation but I, t- I took to sending pictures of myself holding up the day's paper which are a little bit creepy probably but it's the only way you can do it because there are so many scams out there now as well that involve that kind of wording yeah. that sounds like something out of a kidnap Uh, Yeah, the only thing I could think of. Lauren, we have become way too dependent on it. I remember when I was working the roads as a reporter years back, I had a very large box type case. Actually, it was a pilot's case on wheels that I brought all my gear around with, my recorder and my everything. Now it's all on my phone. I personally would have no idea how I'd survive if I lost my phone in the morning. I think it's a wake up call for all of us. Yeah, I definitely am going to have more backups and more second options and extra things with me just in case from now on. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's thanks a lot. That's Lauren Behan uh, writing about it in The Independent. But it's just a thing. She had her phone stolen. She said, how much is in there? Like, it's your clock. It's your alarm clock. That's the first thing I do in the morning when I'm getting up is I pick up my phone to switch off the alarm clock. It is your your. Some people would use it to on a, for a bus ticket, a boarding pass for a plane. It's your sat-nav. Your sat-nav. Like, 
you know, you're trying to find someone's house for the first time, right? The best thing you can do, uh, sat now, boys, is you open up your phone and say, what is your air code? Someone gives you their air code, bang, 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 and the phone will give it. We use it so much. What happens if we are without them? Thanks, Lauren. 0818969696. A good solution, actually, when you change your phone, just to buy the buy, when you change your phone, might be to keep the old one safe in a cool, dry place, as they say. And then, if you should happen to lose the one that you're using, open the old one and download the backup. Backups are important. But there's just so much on there. 0818 96 96 96. Regarding using your phone, when messaging, people have a prearranged safe word that only they and you know, and then they'll know that the message is from you. That's a good, that's kind of what Lauren was saying. And if you should lose your phone and text, be texting someone from another number, that it's, you use a recognized safe word that lets them know it's you. Thanks for that. Just there, we, I'm interested in the payslip thing there. The, the, the Department of Education spending out three million euro of your money and mine on posting out payslips. Just wondering why in 2024 we're still posting people their payslips. 0818 96 96 96. Our president, I, I touched on this on Friday and I wanted to come back to it. Uh, president Michael D. Higgins is the second highest paid president in Europe on a wage of just over 330,000 a year. If a few people with something to say about that. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Just on the subject of pay slips, handy to have a paper copy of your pay slip, PJ. Supposing you need to go to the credit union or the bank for a loan, they're going to look for a couple of months' worth of pay slips. A fair point, Jack. A fair point. But you can always download them, can't you? Anyway, I wonder what Michael D. Higgins' fortnightly or monthly payslip is. Does he get one? I assume he does. The president is paid just over 330000 a year, which, just for the record, is about seven times the average industrial wage in this country. The highest paid president in Europe is the president of Switzerland, Viola Amherd, who trousers 545,000 euro per year. That's nice books, if you can get it. The worst paid in the EU is Slovenia's Natasha Perk-Muzar. No, I've never heard of her either, or him. I don't know who it is. 44,000 a year. Yeah. Right. Michael D. Higgins earns more money, for example, than Emmanuel Macron, who is a bit busier, to be fair, from day to day in Paris, because he actually runs the government. He get, makes 190752 per year. And this was a study that looked at all 31 European nations. It also came up with a statistic that Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine earns less than 10,000 euro a year. Just got people thinking about the cost of our president and the cost of presidents in general. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Alex. 
Good morning, PJ. Hi, you're from Romania, I think. I'm from Romania, yes. Okay, and what would you like to say? Um, so I was just listening to what you said there now, and I'm happy to see that um, uh, there's a bit more research done now because this is one of the points I wanted to make that um, while uh, Ireland's president earns 330,000 uh, a year, that's only about um, seven times the average salary in Ireland, yeah. while a president, let's say, in an Eastern European country, while only learn, earning 50,000 a year, that could be 20 times the average salary in that country. So yeah. we need to look to, to find like a, a common thing to um, to compare these salaries. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily fair to say, oh, the island's president earns this much and that poor country there earns so little. You have to compare it in terms with uh, uh, the buying power in that country and um, like what does it actually mean? Like the, the, the I, I don't have a figure to hand for what the president is paid in or in Romania. Of that money, like the purchasing power, as I said. Um, um, or in any other European, uh, Eastern European country and stuff like that. You said that uh, in Slovakia, I think you said they only earn uh, for Slovenia or Slovakia. Slovenia, Slovenia, forty-four thousand seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but if you look at the average salary in that country, it's a lot less. So I think while it seems like a low figure. If you compare it to the average salary in that country, it's a lot more than seven times uh, the average salary. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it doesn't seem so unfair. Well, actually, you, Slo Slovenia is unique, Alex, according to this particular survey, okay. because it says that the president in Slovenia earns 44,700, only 3% higher than the country's average okay. salary. Okay. That, that, okay. Uh, that's strange. Okay. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And then the second um, point I wanted to make is um, that I would rather have, you know, the people who represent uh, our country um, be paid well and not having to have side hustles and be tempted by other things. Uh, because, for example, in Eastern Europe, there's a lot of corruption, like uh, politicians, even like, as high up as, you know, like uh, uh, the equivalent of a Taoiseach, a prime minister or a president. They would they would all have um, side businesses. They would all be like business people. Yes. Uh, for, first and foremost. And like sometimes they would um, promulgate laws or they'll be taking decisions that are not necessarily in favor of the wider community but they are just in to to favor their own businesses so they might not be fair they might not be ah, i understand now you're saying if they alex that if if the president of the country has a as a side hustle that their actual decisions could well be tainted and could well be prejudiced by that side hustle i think we've dropped alex off the line thank you though good points and very well made pay the president well to keep them from needing a side hustle and keep them clean, so to speak, keep them genuinely independent by paying them well. And we do pay Michael D. rather a lot of money, over 330000 a year. Now, he just wave a chunk of it. He, he waived his last pay increase, for example, 
Uh, when he was elected in 2011, he was earning 249000 and that waived a quarter of the salary. His current salary is just over 330000 uh, John, your thoughts. Now, you've never been a fan of Michael D. anyway, if I remember correctly. Good morning. Good morning, how are you? Um, no, I'm not. In fact, I will go so far as to say, I think if there was a referendum in the morning, there seemed to be a referendum dropping out of the sky, willy-nilly, know at the moment. And um, if we had one to know, do we really need a president? I think the Irish people would say that we don't. Um, he's paid way too much. I mean, for, for because there's no power in the office whatsoever. I mean, he can't really, all he does is just, he can refer stuff to the Supreme Court and the House of State and stuff like that. But that happens very, very uh, less, really, as, as time goes on. Yeah. But the, fa- the fact is that uh, it's, it's just a, simo- a, a ceremonial office. Like, there's no, like, another thing he was on there, like, he has spoken recently there and he's been kind of. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Compute. But like, uh, he's on about the homelessness and stuff like that. Yet, there's 92 rooms in the office, right? Not my the acreage of going whatever. 92 uh, rooms, PJ. Not one Irish family or one Ukrainian has been brought in there for shelter. His, mm. the, the, the president's dogs know, I mean, their, their food bill would probably feed a family in Cork probably for a month. And mm. they're veterinarian bills, right? But I mean, lead by example. Like, why wasn't an Irish family and the Ukrainian family side by side brought in to share one of the 92 rooms? It's an interesting question. It's one that you've asked before, to be fair. But you wouldn't expect the president to live in, in, a, in a flat either, would you? No, but I don't, I don't want him living anywhere because I don't want the president. We have a prime Do you minister. really think that we'd have... If you had a referendum on doing away with the office of president, do you think it would be passed? Well, uh, do not you do, they know, just test the waters. Do a fast text poll, they know, yes or no. We'll, we'll and, see what uh, people we'll, think, yeah. We'll see yeah, what people yeah, think yeah. of that. John, yeah. you're suggest- John is suggesting, just say there a second. John is suggesting that we hold a referendum, seeing as we're having two of them next month anyway, that we would tack on an imaginary third one, uh, that we would do away with the office of president. I, I wonder what people would think, yes or no, to await three... 396, 96, 96, yes, to do away with the office of president, no, to not do away with the office of president. It's, 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 it's a good one. John, I know you wanted to say something about the, the county council yesterday and this interesting yeah. decision of theirs to send a message of condolence to, on behalf of yeah. Ian Bailey. 
Yeah, uh, Marcia Dalton put forward um, in Bailey's name, like, I mean, I mean normally he does names put in with uh, the other people whose they would be voter condolence passed on, right? Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, she's after getting in the middle of an, an, an ST1 star on, but the whole thing about, I can see where she's coming from. The, it, it was a preface, like, I mean, that the presumed innocent PJ, because Ian Bailey, look, he wasn't a nice man, we all know about the domestic violence and everything, the whole lot, he was a bit of a narcissist, probably one hundred percent narcissist. But at the same time, he went to his grave an innocent man as a guy as a murder charge, right? Mm. And that's the point that's the point she was making. Like, where is the presumed innocent gone? Would like, you agree I mean, with her so you would? Why would you? Because, like, I mean, look, I mean, if the Birmingham 6 or the Guildford 4, like, if the death penalty had been in England, I mean, they would be long gone. So, but, I mean, like, we all know what happened with the investigation. It was made a pig's ass of, and the whole thing is... And it's still when open, I heard, by when, the way. Yeah, when I, heard, when I heard it the other night, the news, I said, God, and the same breath, PJ, I said, God rest Sophie Tiscan de Plante, God rest Ian Bailey, because the one thing that they know have in common, they're both after passing on, and they both will possibly never get justice. I don't think anyone will ever charge with that woman's murder. I think Ian Bailey will never be exonerated or found guilty. So that's the one thing they yeah. both have. Did you, you, you might have heard in the news this morning, John, I don't know if you did, that the DPP is going to continue with, the, the DPP has yet another file, having put two files through their hands previously, two previous DPPs put two files through their hands. Both of them yeah. said, both Eamon Barnes and another one said that Mr Bailey did not have a case to answer under Irish law. There's a third file now on the desk of the current DPP and that file will be completed and a decision will be made. What do you think of that? Well, the, the, the thing is, look, I mean, it's an ongoing investigation. There's no statute of limitation on murder, as you know. Right? I do, yeah. It goes on, it goes on, right? But the thing is that, um, it, it, like, to me, you know, this is going to put more pressure on the authorities because as long as Ian Bailey, could, who could have lived for another 20 years, right, as long as he was still there, right, he was the number one suspect in a lot of people's eyes and, and some of the guardies still to this day. According to the so papers as, this morning, he remains the only official suspect. Yeah, well, well there you are, you see, this, as long as he was around, like, he made the finger kept pointing in one direction all the time. Now the fact that he's not gone, they will have to work doubly hard now to prove either he was guilty or he was 100% innocent. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to work doubly hard on out. Yeah. Yeah, but you agree with Marcy... Well, Marcy Dalton said, look, he was effectively tried in the court of public opinion and had to carry this thing around with him for years. And yeah, which, which, look, I mean, again, if you, if you, if you just look at the compassion side of it, if the man will say, presume he, he was, like he was presumed innocent right or he's up to the end because he wasn't born guilty, wasn't it a terrible thing? Like, it was horrific what happened to Sophie, but it was also horrific to have if a man was innocent for 30 odd years and had to carry that around every day. That's the point she was making. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, and it's that, and that's why she brought forward the condolence. Thank you, John. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Eyebrows were raised when we saw that coming out of the council yesterday. But Marcia explained it. He had to carry this burden around with him of something of which he was accused. Never been tried. He'd never been charged. Yes, he had been convicted in another jurisdiction, but here in this country, under Irish law. Under Irish law, as we speak today, the uh, the 23rd of January 2024, as we speak today, Ian Bailey goes to his grave, an innocent man in the eyes of the law. Innocent of that awful crime. 
what happens next, nobody seems to know. Just on the subject of presidents, I see, look, this is the politics geek in me, and you'll have to forgive me throughout the year, because between local elections, European elections, referendums, a possible general election, and God knows the presidential election in the US, I'm looking forward to 20. Oh, and there'll be one across the water too to the rest of 2024 as a bit of a politics geek. Today is the New Hampshire primary in the States and only three times since the 1950s has the New Hampshire primary winner not not gone on to contest the election on behalf of the Republicans and Trump Donald Trump is running away with New Hampshire. Nikki Haley uh, who's his only opponent now that Ron DeSantis dropped out. Donald Trump is going to run away with New Hampshire. I'm going to say something here and now on the 23rd of January 2024 at about 20 to 11 in the morning. I think that barring something huge, Donald Trump is on a one-way ticket back to the Oval Office. I'm not saying that's the right thing. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. That's my read of the situation. Donald Trump is on a one-way ticket back to the White House funny old world our friends at the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road are with us all this week with a shopping spree worth 2,000 euro we give it away Friday we're picking qualifiers every day you can choose from sofas bedroom stuff kitchen dining mattresses free delivery free assembly and they'll take away your old stuff too uh, we're doing sounds from the sofa. This is a little bit of fun. So you sit down your battered old sofa, battered, creaky old sofa that you could well do with a new one. Well, you'd be able to get one of them for yourself out at the furniture centre. And a lot more besides. And here's a sound that you can hear while you're sitting on your battered old sofa. What is this? That's a lot harder than yesterday's one. We've got a few correct answers, by the way. You're very sharp this morning. What is that? And what is your name? 083 396 96 96. We're going to Ennismore next. Listen to Cork's 96 FM while you work. While you work. Listen live at 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Cook. Oh, it's 96FM. So we established anyway this morning in our first hour exactly what the situation is with in Mayfield. In case you didn't know, uh, there's an email was sent to Deputy Thomas Gould from the Department, the Department of Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth, and whatever you have in yourself, who confirm that an offer of accommodation was made in respect of the Dominican retreat in Ennismore. It is being considered as a possible site for the housing of Ukrainian refugees. That decision is not yet made as to whether it's suitable or not. If it is deemed suitable, then there'll be more information forthcoming. That's the situation as it stands this morning. So there's no one definitely going in there yet. All we know is that the situation is that it's being considered as a possible location for housing Ukrainian refugees. Those, those are the facts. Anything else is superfluous. 
Now, there was quite a sizable protest gathered last night, well covered, in fact, by Old English and the Examiner this morning, but there was quite a, a sizable protest gathered last night. This morning, Stephen Fox went up uh, to Mayfield uh, to find three tents pitched up, uh, still there, since last night's protest. Um, estimates are there was anything up to 500 people there last night on the green opposite Ennismore. Very much quieter there this morning. Stephen spoke to two of the occupants of the tents. Now, some of what you're about to hear you might find objectionable, but this is an opinion line. Everybody's entitled to their say, unless what they're saying is completely outrageous. So Stephen went and spoke to Jason and Mark. Why are you down outside, outside here today? Like, what's what's going on? I'm Jason, right? I'm the guy that highlighted the situation inside the city centre with the homeless and this man, John O'Connor. OK? Mm-hmm. Right behind you there, we have the Dominic Ridgely Centre. We have a core foundation up here, and we have a core foundation down there. We have a lot of schools around here, and we have a lot of concerned citizens around Mayfield at this very minute. We win these gates, there's a wall that goes into my towers, and my kids are inside there. I might expect everyone that's not aware of that, that situation at this very minute. So I started this and it's, it's peaceful and it just, and that's the truth. We some great people with us last night and it's not about their parties. This is a non, non, it's a good life. And that's, we're putting that point across to people again this morning. This is non, this is about the Cork people. The Cork people. We're coming out here and we're gonna, we want to protect. We cannot have these men coming into the city, God, buddy. Not. There's too much stuff going on inside in the city at the minute. With all the crises in the, the, the hospital sector, we have a, the mental health sector, we, and, and it's, going to, it's just going to cause more stress on everybody. Mm. And we'll have a women that we will be afraid to go into the cities, won't be able to do a week's shop. And we'll have men that will be, men that are working, they'll have to take the time out of work to, to, to go in and, and help these women and, and to, to, be, to protect them. And that's going to cause stress on them as well, because it's going to be out of pocket with money. We have a cost of living crisis. We've, we've a lot of things going on in this city at the moment, boy. And we can't not have these men coming into our city. We cannot. So we will stay in these gates. And we will have a vast amount of tents put in front of these gates today. And we will man them. And we will rotate it. And these men are not coming into this building. The cock people are saying no. And that's about the size of my friend. And look, come here. I just want to highlight this and put it on record as well. There's no racism. There's no racism. There is not racist, buddy. Okay, okay. So there's no racism involved here, there's no xenophobia, right? Now, we know all the people that are coming into the country. We know all the people that are coming into the country aren't bad. Now, there's a small percentage of them that are going to be dangerous and that has been proven over the time time that has gone by. Now, we don't want want our women and children having to uh, look over their shoulders or anything like that, you know? It's a peaceful protest. no, we've been called bigots. We, I've seen it myself online this morning. Apparently, we're bigots. But it's a peaceful protest, and we need to bring awareness. We don't have the infrastructure in this country to support these people, and the government is flying us. And you can't fool the people anymore. I, I myself and my partner are on the housing list 12 years. I have two sons, 12 and 14, um, and we're living with black mould. And we cannot get out of there. The city hall isn't helping us. The government isn't doing anything at all. The question is, like, why Why do you assume that they're dangerous? What's happening to Ashley Murphy? Yeah. And we're not hearing half of it. Multiculturalism doesn't work. 
to a certain degree. There was okay. a man deported as well there only last week. We, we came to our attention last night. There was a man deported. And this man was in this country for a vast number of, of, of weeks or months. And he was wanted for three murders. That's true. Right, he was wanted for three murders, my friend. As for Cork City, you need to come out. They will come out in vast numbers today. You thought yet last night was was big. Wait till you see today, and that's the gods on his shoulder. I, I don't know the guy's name. He's a, he's a, he's a political of sorts. But he he made a post last week, and he said to the the Cork public that 100 percent that there was no migrants coming into this facility. No, that has exactly. to be highlighted. It's the concern of We're not far right. right. There is no far right. There is no far right. You know, there's a far left. And the other yeah. ones doing all the tricks. Yeah. Don't be fooled. There will be no trouble from us. And this building is, is 100% protected. I'm going in, I'd be going in around the city at some stage today. And I will be placing the homeless, good people. And I'm looking for women and kids especially. And decent men that's not addicted to any drugs or anything like this. We're looking for the decent people. And I will start placing them inside in B&Bs. Right? And I have the GoFundMe's up to support this. And I can support that building as well. If this man opens the gate and lets me start moving these people in and we can get some nurses and some treatment for these people and this man who's inside in the city centre now again this morning if you drive through this man's legs are in a very very poor condition very poor condition right and it hit this skin has fallen off his bones my friend and I got this man into a hospital the other, the other night and the funny thing is when we got him into the hospital I thought I was after doing, doing good with the man I said he'll get the treatment and stuff now and Jason you're after doing a good job I have this man sorted but it turns out, my friend, that we had not got him sorted. He was left to get a taxi, and the taxi service wouldn't even take him. That man is inside in that city centre for 16 weeks. That that man is was why I started to highlight the situation inside the city. And I will continue with the, yes, with the yes, go yes. for me. Okay, that's what... Um that's what Stephen found this morning when he went up to the three tents that are currently pitched outside Ennismore. Last night's crowd estimated to be in or around 500 people. We don't know whether that's an accurate figure or not, but estimated to be in or around 500 people. That's Jason and Mark. What they say is what they say. Uh, They're entitled to feel that way. They're entitled to have those views. Um, This is an opinion line, so we're going to broadcast those views. There are other people whose names I won't mention who were up there last night agitating. Uh, I wouldn't give them the oxygen of mentioning their names, but Jason and John were there this morning, and that's their view as spoken very, very frankly. Uh, to to Stephen Fox. If you have any thoughts on it, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The protest in Mayfield, PJ. The majority of those who spoke were the same people who harassed and bullied Cork City Library employees in the past. Join the dots, and that's from Ray. Well, I certainly don't know. I don't believe that Jason or John ever. Uh, hassled or bullied any Cork City Library employees, but I know to whom you refer, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to have seen them there last night, to be fair. John was asking earlier on about whether or not we should keep the president, so this is in the context of the president's wages, which are fairly, fairly high, and I said we'd throw it out there, we have two referendums coming at us in March, more on those as we get closer to them, more on don't start it now, right? Because they're going to get sticky as we get closer. 
But let's throw in an imaginary third one. Uh, should we keep the president or should we do away with the office of president? Uh, yes, if you think we should do away with the office of president. I agree with John. Apart from the wage, look what the running of that big house and gardens are costing. So I think we can't really afford a president. Our Taoiseach is our representative internationally. That's from Pat in West Cork. Um, should we get rid of the president? No, says Michael in Charleville. Definitely not. Cop on, says another message. It's part of our heritage. Mary says the salary of the president is only the tip of the iceberg. The real cost is beneath the surface. No melting ice caps here. Not so sure what you mean by that, Mary, but thanks. Yes, says Orla, get rid of the president. And tell John, yeah, John used the, uh, said we have a, tell John we don't have a prime minister. We don't have a prime minister. We have, we have a Taoiseach. On payslips, and this story that was in the paper yesterday, that the Department of Education spent three million euro of your money yours and mine sending out pay slips last year uh, paper pay slips by post okay <laughs> no i don't under, i don't know why either pj on the issue of posting pay slips teachers can opt to get them digitally but they are required to get the public service card to do so in other words a teacher who has always had posted pay slips has to prove who they are to get a digital version of what they receive in paper form. There's no logic to that other than to justify the public service card, says Paul. As a holder, Paul, of a public service card, I I had to get it. I said this the other day. I had to get it back in 2018 because we did a little bit of work at home and we were entitled to a tax claim because of it. And in order to get the tax claim... I had to have a public service card and a MyGov and all this kind of old palaver. I didn't have a problem. And certainly, certainly I don't feel I've been, I've lost out by getting a public service card. But is that why? Is that why teachers teachers can get the digital pay slip but only if they have a public service card? Okay. That's, well, that's fine. That's fine. But why? Three million a year on po- posting out pay slips when children can't get places. Children with additional needs and special needs cannot get places in classes around the country or cannot get a seat on a bus up and down the country. When we're spending three million yo-yos on payslips, don't come back to me and tell me there isn't a budget there for all these things that the children can't get. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Middleton GAA Wagpies present Showtime, a night of song and laughter on Saturday the 27th of January in Middleton GAA Club. Hosted by Richie Hayes and featuring Billy Jean's RDC, Dots Tobin, Studio D and many more. Fundraised in aid of St. Vincent de Paul for families affected by the flooding. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie The lines are Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Who Stephen met outside in a s'more this morning? Uh, they say that the protesters will be back. They say the numbers will be bigger. That's something that we'll only know with the passage of time, and uh, we also only know 
that Ennis Moore is being considered as a possible location for housing Ukrainians. No confirmation has been made of that yet. No confirmation has been issued of that yet. That's that's what we know. That's all we know at this stage. PJ, why don't they turn Ennismore into a dog park? Our poor old dogs have nowhere to go. Our so-called own are being housed in hotels and B&Bs for those who want it. It's housing they need and they want, not the type of temporary accommodation we're providing for the Ukrainians. These protesters will be outside Ennismore today and on Pana on Saturday demanding peace in Palestine. Can't come on, busy at work, but please read this out. Thanks for that. And as I said, we'll let you hear that Vox Pop again in podcast afterwards. A lot of people disagreeing with it, but it is what it is. 0818969696. I do particularly uh, like Mary O'Leary's message. Mary's in Mayfield and she said, if the government are really interested in that building, could they not use it as a respite centre for people with disabilities? It's even near Cope and it would be ideal. The, the lack of respite care, the lack of respite facilities, the inability of families to get any kind of respite is crazy and it doesn't get talked about half enough. And that's a great point, Mary, that you make. Thank you. 0818969696 is the number. Text to WhatsApp 0833969696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I'm, I'm glad to say that in all my years working, I've never actually been fired. Um, jobs have come to a natural end, I guess, along the way, but I've, I've never actually been fired. And certainly if I was being fired, I wouldn't want to be fired this way. This has gone somewhat viral on social media over the last few days. Now, we've edited this down. It's much longer on TikTok than the original. But this is a a scene where a person was dismissed, told their job was no longer viable, etc., etc., etc. This is going, as I said, a little bit viral. It started on TikTok. It was longer. We've, We've chopped it down about three minutes long. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Thanks for meeting with me uh, and Rosie. We have an important meeting today. We finished our evaluations of 2023 performance. This is where you have not met Cloudflare expectations for performance. We've decided to part ways with you. I'm going to stop you right there. So I started August 25th. I've been on a three-month ramp. And then it was three weeks of December and then a week of Christmas. And then here we are. Also, every single one-on-one I've had with my manager, he has been giving me nothing but, I am doing a great job, I have had great activity, I have really great meetings, things have been going really, really well. So I disagree that I haven't met performance expectations. I hear you. Um, Also, why are you doing this and not my manager, not, you know, we've never met, so this seems a little odd. Yeah, I would love like an explanation that makes sense. 100%. 100%. Um, real quick, let me carve out the, the two threads, um, a ladder of why I'm on this conversation. I'll, I'll put that one the second half, and Rosie might be better to explain the process of who is giving this information in the prior piece, which is your uh, feedback and, and notes about your performance. So we add a little color context to that. So um, 
just for clarification, you are not being singled out on this. Your peers are also being collectively um, assessed on performance. This is a collective collaboration for Cloudflare. So I just want to clarify that piece. I won't be able to add any kind of specifics on numbers or- Wait, yeah, no, can you explain for me why Brittany Peach is getting let go? Not why Cloudflare decided to hire too many people and are now actually realizing that they can't afford this many people and they're letting that go. If that's the real answer, I would rather just you tell me that instead of making up some bull and telling me that right before I lose my job from someone that I've never met before. If you can respect that. Yeah, I can totally respect that. And I don't think Dom or myself today is going to give you any clarity or answers that's going to um, meet the expectations that you're communicating to us, Brittany. I'll say that the the performance indicators and performance metrics are, while they are, we're not able to go into specifics and we won't, there's no situation where we will be able to go into Do you guys even know? Do you guys even know? Like why, like who you're talking to each day? I hear you and what you're saying. Just for, from a process perspective, your questions are valid. This isn't going to be the forum and the situation where we're able to go into the detail that you're but looking then, for. But then when? If it's not right as I'm getting fired, then it's certainly not going to be after when I'm no longer part of the company. So I don't think there's anything we can say in this moment or today, Brittany, that's going to change the way that you feel. That's clearly Teams or Zoom or something, and a person being fired over Teams or Zoom, which I would have thought is never a right way to do it anyway. And I have no idea what language the man in that conversation is speaking. I think it probably was originally English, but I have no notion whatsoever of what he's attempting very badly to say. Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite. (laughs) Caroline, what is he talking about? Good morning. Oh, good morning. And like, I mean, if you were to identify a way not to do something that has such a big impact on that person's life and career, etc., that's definitely the what not to do. And like that person got 15 minutes notice of an invited Teams meeting with from two people she didn't know, got no forewarning, etc., etc. Now, that's in the US and you can imagine having it. It's the fact it's gone viral. We all will remember Cloudflare for all the wrong reasons because the brand damage and reputation. Now, everybody is remembering uh, to do with Brittany Peaches because it absolutely has gone viral, as you said. I suppose the, the good thing in Ireland is all of our employment law comes from Europe. It's transposed into Irish law and we have very strong protections in Irish law for employees in terms of how they're treated. Mm-hmm. And absolutely somebody could be on probation, for example, and they may not meet the performance metrics of whatever is required. Mm-hmm. But in this scenario, as you heard, she was actually meeting the metrics. And when she asked for, but explain to me how I'm not, he was not able to do it, yet had made the decision in advance that her employment has been terminated. And one of the most important things when we're dealing with employees is giving them that opportunity to be heard. And obviously that was not happening in this scenario. We we know that IT, many elements of it around the world, overhired during the course of the pandemic and then had to leave a lot of people go afterwards when they were no longer required. There's a right way and a wrong way. That sounds like what happened here, but there's a right way and a wrong way. 
And I think you're right. I think that's what has happened there because in I've listened to all of that um, interaction. God help you, Caroline. Uh, the three minutes I was know, bad enough. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. I was doing it though out for a walk, so at least I was doing vigorous activity to balance it. But the um, major piece in it was, she said, "Look, I was expecting this because that's why she recorded it because of the way my other colleagues have been treated. So instead of them being straight and saying." straight out look this is the scenario we've overhired or whatever which is what it seems to have been the case the transparency piece of trying to make up criteria that actually he couldn't even give her a straight answer obviously you know there isn't uh, substance to that so I think this really just is that cringe moment of that person who took it upon themselves to do that call and there was two of them on the call mm. and like neither of the two of them did themselves any favours I think it's fair to say there's a, there's a language I call it corporate junk speak where the company tries not to actually say anything and, and that's what's going on here it's, it's trying to fire you without saying we're firing you yeah, but I suppose at the end of the day, she was a very capable lady who had done her homework in advance. And as Jeez. she said herself, she was expecting it. But she was able to say, but these are my, are my actual performance metrics and I am achieving this and I'm only here three months and Christmas was out of that, etc. She sounded way more prepared, I think it's fair to say, than either of the two of them did. And I think at the end of the day, the the respect piece for the fact that this is a seriously big deal, that you're communicating to somebody that could have a ripple effect on their career yeah. and, you know, their their well-being and just all of that. Most of the time, I think most employers would be straight with the person if it's to do with headcount or numbers that tell them that if it's to do with performance normally the person would be well expecting that this is coming because they've been giving them feedback all the way through because correct me if i'm wrong here caroline but if you were dismissed from a job or left go from a job at any point and a future employer will ask why that happened you need to be able to provide them with a good explanation don't you Absolutely. And I think it's it's that being fair to that person. Like it does happen that people don't meet the performance requirements during probation. But if that's the case, you need to make sure that you're very transparent and the person knows that that is the case. And, you know, they're setting that expectation and they know it during the six month trial period that is probation. But equally, you need to be straight if it's nothing to do with the person and it's to do with the company over hiring as it potentially was in this case. So mm. I think it's appreciating the impact on the fact that this will have a ripple effect. By the way, Brittany has gone on to uh, get another job and things are, are really positive for her. And uh, she is uh, not letting this uh, impact her future. Her. But somebody else may not be in that same position. Good for her because she had the man on the end of a fork. Uh, certainly she had because, like you said, she had all her figures done. She had all her homework done. She knew her fi- her her performance metrics were good. And when you hear someone going... I hear you, I hear you, they're losing. They're losing, I, I always think that. Just something there before I let you go, Caroline. We're, we're finally moving, it's been moving so slowly towards this work-from-home uh, scenario where you can now request the right to work from home and your employer must give you a hearing. We're, we're, we're moving. 
We are, luckily. Um, so this piece of legislation, the Work-Life Balance uh, Act, was passed in April 2023. It brought in the unpaid five-day medical leave. It brought in the paid uh, breastfeeding breaks for up to two years. It brought in the five-day paid domestic violence. And the two parts that are not yet enacted are the right to request remote working, which is one type of flexibility. So if you have six months service, you can request the right to work remotely. And it's eight weeks in advance of when you'd like to take the remote working option on as your new form of flexibility. And the employer must respond to your request within four weeks, giving a reason. And the other part that's coming in that I think your listeners will be uh, glad to hear as well is the right to request flexible working, which is any form of other types type of flexibility like reduced hours or different patterns but this is restricted to those that have caring and parental responsibilities so if you have a child that's less than 12 or a child that's less than uh, 16 that has a disability or long-term illness or you're caring for a parent a sibling a cohabitant or a partner the same idea of six-month service and the employer has to respond within four weeks. So I think for a lot of people, this is going to be something that will ease the struggle of trying to juggle so many balls that they're actually not able to keep everything going. Mm. And uh, this is going to give them that opportunity to try and have a better work-life balance in line with um, the their actual life needs as well. Is this going to be of help Lastly, Caroline, to the person who whose job was done perfectly adequately and perfectly well during the pandemic when they had to be at home and now has a boss who's just being unreasonable and saying, no, actually, you can't work from home. I'm not allowing it. Is this going to help them? Yeah, without doubt. I mean, this will be the first time other than the emergency measures during COVID that someone has the right to request remote, which is one form of flexibility, or the right to request flexible if you have that caring or family responsibilities, where it's going to come in hopefully the end of January. And we're just waiting on the codes of practice to complement the act. But I think it's going to be something that if employers don't offer it and if the employee can get it in another employment, I think it's going to be a big driver for them to consider what, you know, what's the best option for me? Because your career is one element. But if you can get another career paying the same, but offering you more flexibility in line with what you need. For example, you have a sick parent or your partner's unwell and you've got that option to have Mm -hmm. that bit more flexibility. That's a game changer for a lot of people. And I think something from an empathy and a real well-being perspective, if you want to retain really good people, employers are definitely going to have to look favorably at this where it's possible. If you're not going to let them do it and your competitor is, you could end up losing them. Caroline, thank you. Caroline Reedy, the HR suite. Uh, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm still laughing at your man in the middle of that bit off TikTok. The what bloody language was he speaking? Corporate, corporate jump or junk speak? If you ask me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just come back. You might have missed them there before the news. Just some other comments on the vox pop we did outside Ennismore. Stephen was above this morning talking to some of the people in the tents up there uh, Frank wants to know have the people in the Vox Pop any jobs to go to and Lisa asks or says women and children looking over their shoulder give me a break we shouldn't be making this about the people coming to us from war torn 
countries. It's about the government. 0818 96 96 96. The Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Courts 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4 pm where you could win a voucher for Oak Fire Pizza for voice notes like this. Hi, Izzy. I would love some Taylor Swift. I'm such a Swifty. We might be putting your knowledge to the test with a quiz or two. I haven't been this nervous since I was at school. And I'll be sure to play more of your favourite tunes. And I love your show. Your music is fantastic, Izzy. I love it. Join me weekdays from 4 pm. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me home. With Izzy Show Busy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. Craig Hickey uh, was on to me. His good pal, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan. Cornelius has opened done opening slots for Tyg's shows and worked with him on stage and he's done a few good opening slots for other big names. I think I saw him before a Tommy Tiernan gig at one point. But Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan is doing the Everyman himself as the star of the show on Saturday night. He's one funny dude. So if you've got a chance to go along and see that, he is. He did a thing over the weekend about the McGrath Cup between Cork and Kerry and twas priceless. So happy to mention that Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan at the Everyman Saturday at 8. If you're looking for something to do with your Saturday night, 0818 96 96 96. Paul is in Mayfield. Morning, Paul. Good morning, uh, PJ. Is this to do with Ennis Moore? No. Well, all I want to say is it's just that they have an old prison in Ratmore Road. Why can't the Irish government and the Department of Justice open that up and take our own homeless off the street and put them in there? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be the first person to ask that question. And like all they have to do is when they're cooking for the prisoners, cook for them, charge them a nominal fee, problem solved. Yeah, yeah. How many yeah, people do you think you put in there? They could put the women on one floor and the men on another floor. Yeah, that's true. There's lots of buildings, like Joe Shea was saying this morning, there's a convent down near him that, that has empty rooms, the reparation. You could put them in there. You know the way, Paul, all over the country, places are being taken over um, to house the, the refugees from from Ukraine. No one begrudges the Ukrainians a place of safety, but do you, do you think that more places like should be over t- should be taken over for the benefit of homeless people here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I do, Peter. Um, a couple of years ago, two members of the government party came to my door looking for votes, and I refused to vote for the government party. And what I said was, I said, number one, you're sending billions out of the country in foreign aid, which I have no problem with. But I said, what you should do is pump it into the health service and the homelessness, and that would solve those, prob- those uh, uh, crises. And what I was told was, and these are the worst members of the government party. The money is there to solve the homelessness, but they won't do it because most of the TDs in Dublin are big landlords and they're all getting big money. Well, that's often been said. Roughly 22% of the membership of the Dáil, the last time they looked, had some interest, all right, in being, in being landlords. But some of them only had one or two little places. It's hard to think that, 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 that that's a problem, is it? Like, there's a friend of mine there, and she, um, her house was damaged by fire, and she's couch suffering at the moment, and um, she cannot get another house off of Cork City Council. Yeah. And yet there's empty places everywhere. Sorry? I said, and yet there's empty places everywhere. Exactly. Like in, in Mayfield, little one, if you walk around, look at all the empty houses this year. Yeah. 
Yeah. The Simon community did a survey there after the budget and they, they looked at the number of places that are available, the number of places that are empty and, and said why that there's more than enough places there to house everybody who needs a place. That's correct, there is, yeah, like, and I don't begrudge the Ukrainians um, accommodation, but surely the government should look and start and look after our own people first and take them off the streets. Yes, and, and you'd be considering using the old prison up at Ratmore Road. Paul, thank you. You've uh, a bit of activity going on there around you. I'll let you get to it. Thank you. 0818969696. Now, the dirty water continues to be a problem north and south of the river. Uh, trying to get Irish water to sit down in a room with people and, and tell them what is going on. Carol, you are in Lotamore. I think Lotamore was one of the first places we heard about this. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, I'm in, I'm in Silver Heights. And, oh, okay. Um, it was just last Thursday. A whole load of whites totally and absolutely destroyed. Um, I rang Irish water and I will say their customer service was bang on. They were wonderful, the two people I spoke with. Um, What I was told was, they gave me a reference number and that I was to submit um, my receipts, but uh, they wouldn't guarantee me that I would be reimbursed for my expense for replacing everything that was destroyed. Now, I'm not the only one that's dirty water. We're hearing about it a lot in the last few months. So, do we have consumer rights in those situations when your whole load of washing is destroyed, and I mean destroyed? Um, what, what happened to it? I know you said they were all white stuff. What? What did they come out brown, or what happened? Oh well, I just went to the machine to check how many minutes are left, and there's a, a pool of water just the way it gathers there in the door, and there's a thick brown scum on it. Oh, God. Yeah. So. Um, what do you do? Like, now I'm much calmer today, but as I said to that lovely lad, Brian was his name in Irish Water, I said, I'm telling you, and I fit to burst a blood vessel. Because this is the second time it has happened to me. And I said, nothing, and nothing will clean those again. You can put them, boil them till the cows come home. You will not get your white hmm. spikes again. What was it, again. sheets, shorts? She, no, thankfully it wasn't the school shirts. It was sheets, pillowcases, protectors, hankies, white face slots, the whole shebang. No, all fit for the bin. God. No, I know it's a small pro- problem in some contexts. No, it's I your go problem, no Carol. You know, it's your stuff being ruined by... I mean, you're entitled, you're entitled to turn on the washing machine and believe that the water going into it will clean your clothes, not make them worse. You're entitled to think to, to I would have thought that. so, but also, like, what is it do? Is it damaging our machines? There's a thing. There's a thing. Well, I know I was talking to one or two people over the last few months that it has destroyed electric showers. That they're, that they're, yes. You know? Yes, that's what, jeepers, I forgot about that aspect to it. Because uh, uh, it, it, this was late afternoon and the showers were fine that, that morning. But now I'm paranoid. I go and turn on the tap to check before I put any load in, be the dark or white or whatever. You seem to in, be not, not, not alone in that because I remember talking to a person from down around the Douglas Street area, was it Douglas Street, that in the morning before she puts on her washing machine, she, she checks... She checks the yeah. water coming out of the tap to see is the water okay. Like in a, in a modern city in 2024, we shouldn't have to be doing that. No, 
But they are aware of the problem. And I did get a text subsequently to say when the investigation is completed, they will update me. Now, you know, as another person I know living on Wellington Road um, had an issue with dirty water there. And um, he said by the time the engineer came out, it was back grand and crystal clear again. That's right. So what is in this residue? What is it? The only explanation we've been able to get, or anyone's been able to get, is that this new pumping station out at the the Lee Fields. Yeah. And then they decided to clean the pipes, and the pipes brought the residue, they took the residue off the pipes, and the residue is loosened inside the pipes, and every so often it comes out into... But that, that shouldn't be your concern, that shouldn't be anybody's concern. No. No, I don't know. I, 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 my understanding is that you're not supposed to drink the water, and who the hell would drink that anyway? Yeah. But um, are they prepared to compensate people? Who you knows? said there that people's electric showers were destroyed. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm calmer today anyway than I was good, last Thursday because I'd have, I'd have <laughs> throttled something <laughs> last <laughs> Thursday, and that's putting it mind. Can I, you I just? Say, I can but, just imagine. I can just imagine. Borrowing from what, what, what that lo- lovely South African man said about Ireland being a little piece of go- God's puzzle, I certainly wouldn't put I- Irish water into a little piece of, of God, God, God's jigsaw puzzle. Anyway. Carol, Carol, thank you very much for that. And I hope that you get sorted out with I have breaking news, breaking news. And I mean this literally just handed to me, sent to Katie O'Keefe in the newsroom. Um, coming from the Department of Equality, Katie asked if we could get some clarity with regard to Ennis Moore. And this has just come through. And I will read it. I'm just trying to have a, a poke through it here myself. It says, from a spokesperson from the department, Good morning, Katie. Please see the response to your query. From a department spokesman. The position as of this morning is that the department has received an offer of commercial accommodation for beneficiaries of temporary protection, those fleeing the war in Ukraine, in relation to the property identified. Following a full review, taking into account the needs across our overall accommodation portfolio, this offer is not being progressed. So there's the breaking news at 24 minutes to 12 on this day of our Lord, the 23rd of January 2024. Ennis Moore, Dominican retreat, will not now be used to house Ukrainian refugees. That news breaking in the last couple of minutes uh, and brought to us by the newsroom at Cork's 96FM. I repeat it. It has been issued in response to a query from the newsroom. Katie O'Keefe sent in a query seeking some clarity on the plans for Ennis Moore. And I quote again. Following a full review, taking into account the needs across our overall accommodation portfolio, this is not being progressed. 0818 96 96 96. So lads, you can roll up your tents and go away home. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM.
I should probably give you the question that Katie asked them because what we were trying to find out about the whole Ennis Moore thing was who knew what and when because you'll remember the local councillors were hopping up and down uh, Joe Kavanagh and John Maher and Ken O'Flynn hopping up and down about being told by the council that there was nothing happening and then the email that came out from the department to uh, Thomas Gould that said that the Cork County Council had been consulted on suitability of accommodation uh, and, the, and the question is who knew what and when Katie then sent in this question from the newsroom that she wanted to say or to ask when did consultation begin with the City Council so the, there's no one there are no Ukrainians going into Ennismore as of this morning no Ukrainians going into the former Dominican retreat at Ennismore. Uh, those idle facilities would make fabulous old folks' homes, says this message, especially with the lovely gardens. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? On housing and empty houses, I live in Courtown Park in Knocknahini. Haven't been there in a long time, but I know it well. Three fine houses ready to go, unoccupied for months. What exactly is going on? And then out of nowhere, Fanula got on to us. Fanula is the steam coming out of Fanula's ears. She says she's sitting in traffic attempting to support someone in CUH. Parking is an absolute joke. There are people queuing all the way back to CUMH. Thanks, Fanula. 0818969696. Now, Dara O'Regan, tell me about the three little pigs and how you have completely adapted it and you might be onto something big here good morning morning pj how's it going how are you good this is a tale as old as time so to speak the three little pigs what have you done with it it is it is absolutely so yeah it started out as a bit of a a passion project uh, uh, where i i suppose it became a a fan favorite in this house here I i have two sons and my older son he's absolutely just taken with the story he's he's read that story every night for going to bed for the last few years and everything like that so I kind of decided I want to kind of adapt it and, and put something together myself you know for for him and for 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 my two boys and everything like that just so that they'd have something that was made for them specifically so I kind of had to think about it and had a look around and, and there didn't seem to be anything that was really kind of Cork themed or, or Irish themed it was just straight up Three little pigs. No matter where you look online and everything like that, there was nothing, nothing really adapted to to being, uh, I suppose, focused on on Irish. They certainly don't have Cork accents anyway. Anywhere you find them, but anywhere, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I said I might play it to my strengths, and I said I, I I'd put together a story and and base it in Cork and and give a good a good Cork twist to the whole out of it. It's worked out really well for you. It's taken off a bit. It has taken off a bit. So when when I kind of released it first, I, I started getting loads of messages from people saying it was really good and they really enjoyed it and the kids loved it and everything like that. So like from there on in, I kind of decided I, I'd do my best to try and spread it across Cork and, and let other people enjoy it as well, you know. Mm. You you work sort of with digital stuff all the time anyway, don't you? I do, I do, I do. I, I'm kind of, I, I am IT based, I suppose. Uh, so I, I kind of... I had the tools that I probably needed to to kind of to to put something like that together, and um, so I had to had to learn a few things, had to had to figure out a few things myself. But I managed to to do to put together all the illustration work. I didn't draw, but I was able to put together all the 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 images, 
uh, used. I was able to edit. I had to narrate and and put it all together myself, really, kind of from start to start to finish. Uh, so it was an, an interesting project. Uh, it was it was it was fun to to kind of put together. These days, when one is trawling the internet, Franklin, you got to be really careful that you don't stumble on something that a person could charge you a royalty for or anything like that. Absolutely. And you have to work on whatever you do, it can't be somebody else's work, even accidentally, Absolutely. that you pick up on. So how much work went into that? So, like, when you kind of... It, it, I was very much focused on that as well, uh, PJ. Like, I'm, I'm very aware that I didn't want to be hit with a bill on the back of uh, releasing this, you know. So, uh, when, you, when you're kind of... When, when you're online, there's loads of resources available to you that you can subscribe to a service which allows you to use their imagery or their their audio uh, free of royalties. So um, I was able to subscribe to these services. I was able to get what I needed, piece it all together. Uh, and as a result, uh, the, you've, see, you've seen the video. That's, 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 yeah. what, the, that's what came from it. So. Yeah, you, you have plans to develop other stories, I think. This, this could become a very serious side hustle, my friend. It absolutely could, and look, uh, it, that's only kind of become apparent now since it's kind of gained in popularity since, you know, but like uh, I, uh, the plan is to to maybe have a look and see if I can adapt additional stories down the line. Um, uh, also, I suppose there there's a possibility of even translating them into Irish, uh, so going down another avenue. So there, there's like, there, there's plenty of ways this could be taken. It could even be adapted to other cities outside of Cork if there was a demand, but I'm happy to keep it to Cork for the time being, you know. As I said, play to my strengths and if I'm narrating, you know, let's let's use the Cork accent rather than let's, trying to let's, imitate Let's have a listen to just a little bit of a people. And puffed, and he huffed, and he puffed, but he couldn't blow down Roy's strong brick house. The wolf was so angry... Realising he could no longer get his hands on the three little pigs, Finbar walked away, starving. The three little pigs were so happy and Roy was happy he could protect his brothers. From that day forward, Christy, Sean Og and Roy lived happily ever after in their brick house. Corco continued to be their home forever while Finbar the wolf learned his lesson not to mess with these three little pigs from Cork. <laughs> That's class, my man. That's absolutely class. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the production uh, work is really... Do you, do you have all your own studio gear or what's the story? Absolutely not. Uh, it's literally... It was all kind of put together on, on an iPad um, just using whatever I had to, to hand, just put it all together in the same spot, just at home, sitting on the couch, just getting it all together. So, yeah. Well done. Not as high tech as you might think. So, <laughs> well done. Uh, if we, we, will we share the link, lad, so so that others can can watch it because it's great. Uh, that's Dara O'Regan just decided to adapt this story for his own youngsters. Put a cork twist on it. It's about three or four, just under four minutes long, and it's gas. And he put in the cork pictures and a cork accent and a cork story and cork names and the. Dad Wolf is called Finbar's Gas. Thanks, Dara, and best of luck with it. If anything else we can promote belong to you, send it on to us because it's good work. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you might have been watching, uh, if you do watch, Ear to the Ground last week. Even if you walked in and someone you know was watching Ear to the Ground. It's a good old show. Um, there was a lovely story on it of John Kingston and Sonia Veridiana. 
He's from Dunmanue. She is from Mexico. But between them, they run Kulkalul Farm down there in Dunmanue. And they have a lovely story to tell. Sonia, now, they're, they're with me now. Sonia, you're in Mexico as we speak. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Yes, I am in Mexico visiting family. Yeah. You're from, is it Monterrey? I am from Monterrey, yes. John, you're back in Dunmanue running running Kulkilur. Correct, yeah. Good. When was the last time you were in Mexico, sir? The last time I was in Mexico was three weeks ago. Really? <laughs> we go over and back a good bit, yeah. Now, the story of how you met randomly at a wedding is fascinating. Sonia, do you want to tell us? Well, for me, I was back home and I just went to to see my friend getting married. And for John was a bigger step because um, he didn't travel much then. And it was a big thing for him to travel. So he came over to, uh, to Monterrey to his best friend's wedding. And then I was in my best friend's wedding too. And then we met in 2010 in July. You were a groomsman, were you, John? Yeah, um, a friend of mine w- met a Mexican girl in Germany and followed her over to Monterey. And then a few months later, he rang me up and asked me if I would go to Mexico to be his best man. Right. You'd never laid eyes on each other, but you met that night. <laughs> yes. D- did you ask her to dance or something, John? What happened? <laughs> I Well, actually, the story, the way it went was actually... Viri was going to leave with her mum, and then my friend, the groomsman, said, oh, would you dance with Viri before she leaves? Nice. And I said, yes, of course, with this beautiful Mexican lady. <laughs> and so then we started dancing, and I we were trying to communicate with my <laughs> West Cork English and her, her uh, limited English. Yeah. Um, but we just danced for the night, and it was it was a lovely experience. Well, I have to mention there now, like, it's funny because my parents pay so much money in for my education to learn English. But it was, I need to say, it was the English, English, you know, it was, hello, how are you? Like, very formal. So when John come up and say, how's going? What's the story? I could not understand that. <laughs> you didn't leave the wedding. Then. Sorry, he's calling you Viri. Is that a, um, a nickname or... Yeah, well, that's her, my second name. <laughs> her full name is Viridiana, Sonia Viridiana. I see. And you didn't go home that night, or at least you didn't go home at you at the time you'd intended, Viri? No. No, I, I did not. <laughs> but, like, I was going with my mom, and then the groom comes up and tell, oh, come on, go dancing. And I thought he was inviting me to dance. And I said, of course, he's the groom. I need to, I will do what he says. I'll go and dance with him. But he basically just hand my, give my hand to John and we started to dance and he was super fun he was such a good dancer of course I didn't leave my mom left (laughs) at some point she said I better go and I stayed there with the bride and groom and all the friends and we stayed there beautiful night it was very very lovely time yeah now we know that the Mexicans have great rhythm and are great dancers but John were you hiding a secret skill there in West Cork I don't know what you call it hiding but no my my mom was always a good dancer and I suppose I just picked it up from her, and I always liked dancing with music and stuff like that. So I just went with went with the flow, you know. You went with As the good flow. West, good West Cork man would. And <laughs> who noticed first that there was more to this than just a few dances at a wedding? I suppose everybody, no, like <laughs> it was very obvious. I liked her that night, but like 
we were just texting back and forth in and like we got on so well and we were emailing and talking right. back and forth through Google Translate and <laughs> it was just a lovely experience really. Did you meet again before you came back, John, at that time or what? No, because I was flying back like a day or two later. Right. So I just asked for her email address that night and she reciprocated. Basically what John is saying, like we started a friendship and we just emailed each other, but it wasn't like we didn't know we were going to see again, you know, like it was, well, we knew our friends were going to have a second ceremony, church ceremony in Ireland. Okay. So that was, we knew that could happen the following year, which it happened. And then I was bridesmaid then, and he was again, groomsman, and we met in Ireland then. But we kept emailing to each other and basically sending little presents or flowers, like things we could do from far, you know, from a long distance friendship. And he came after eight months. And then is when we became formally girlfriend and boyfriend. And John, did you learn Spanish or very did your English just get used to his West Cork English? <laughs> her, her English got uh, adapted to the West Cork English. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still learning Spanish. My Spanish is definitely getting better, but like her English adapted very well to, to my West Cork English. Yeah. yeah. So when did you get married then, lads? In 2012. You like 2012, yeah. Now, you have Cool Kalur Farm. I think, Sonia, is it, am I right? You're an engineer. You didn't expect to be farming. No, no. I studied uh, industrial management engineering. Yeah. That's what I study. Yeah. But like it's management, you know, like manage things. <laughs> In this case, you know, organizing things and saving the planet, saving trees, uh, making clean air and just move on from there yes. yeah and it's very famous as an environmentally friendly farm of course john your family are farming for generations is that right yeah like i i renovated my my grandfather's house here on the farm and we're the fifth generation of the same family in this in this house wow. and we would have we would have all farmed like all my my past uh, generations you know yeah, and there are some young Kingston Castros now as well. When did the first one come along, Sonia? In 2013, we were fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2017, uh, and, and then in 2018, there are three girls. It's, it's a lovely story, guys, and it just happened completely by chance. It happened yeah. organically, yeah. <laughs> Almost like the farm. Like yeah. the family. Like John, <laughs> when your friend asked you, will you be my best man? And you probably said, yeah, I'd love to. And then he said, it's in Mexico. Like, did you even think twice about it? I did because when I was younger, I had a big fear of uh, traveling. So it was a big issue for me to travel. Like I'd, I'd been to England and a few other things like that, but nothing that far away. So I was very apprehensive to go, but I decided to go and another friend went with me. Or were you afraid of flying or just afraid of long distance or what? Both, both, yeah. I had a big, like, I used, I used to nearly get sick, like, when I'd be thinking about going on the plane, you know? I bet you're glad you got over that one, aren't you? Sorry, <laughs> <You> got that. <laughs> it is lovely speaking to you. Sonia, when are you back? When do you come back? I'm just hoping when Ireland gets a bit warmer, I'll be there. <laughs> At the moment, it's off-season, so John is working hard, preparing everything, yeah. and I am here and helping my, my family business over here in Mexico, so it's, keep, it's good to keep busy, you know? John and Sonia, thank you both, and the best of luck in the future, 
the, the year to the ground was the story of of Cool Kilior, and, and and that's fascinating. But I think your story is is brilliant. It re- it really is. It's a lovely story. Great talking to you both. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so, you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Sonia in. Uh, Brazil and John in uh, Dunmanway and <laughs> I often think this Sonia is on a better line all the way from Brazil than someone might get from, from Bishopstown sometimes oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six Furniture Centre in Blackpool, Watercourse Road with us all this week we are seeking daily qualifiers for the draw on Friday for a €2,000 shopping spree at the Furniture Centre in Blackpool. Sofas, bedroom, kitchen, dining, you name it, it's all there. We wanted you to identify this particular sound. I was thinking, what on earth is that? Is it some kind of demented guitar? Burr, can you tell me, what is that? Hello, Burr. Hi, PJ. That is running a hand or a finger along a radiator. Oh, the grill's inside. Well, you know, a metal radiator. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, right. Well spotted, you. Well spotted. (laughs) You'll go through to the draw. What would you do if you won? What do you need? I am a new bed and maybe a room table and chairs. Well, you'd be able to cover most what of that, I'd say, with a €2,000 voucher, I think. So you are today's qualifier. So you'll go forward for our yeah. draw on Friday. So maybe we'll be talking again. You'd never know. That would be great. All right. Great. Fingers crossed. Great. Bert, thank you. We'll have another sound from the sofa for you tomorrow with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road. Lorraine and Ross, back in the morning from 6. Lyra is with them on the show tomorrow. She's gas. Lyra's gas crack. I'm mad about Lyra and she's brilliant musically as well. Two grand up for her. I was on the two grand minute and you can win flights to Gdansk with Cork Airport. That's about our lot though for today. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts up in a wee while and we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. The Two Grand Minute. With Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at corkdentalcare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.